Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It was God who was disrupting the chariot wheels. It wasn't the people messing with them. It was God moving ahead of them. It was him sending a storm that was killing thousands of people ahead of them. It's, it's amazing how God knows how to go ahead of us. And he wants to fight the battles for us if we would just learn to sit back and trust in him and rest in him and say, you fight my battles, Lord. We just take a step back and say, this one's you, Lord. You got to take this one. Have you ever thought about how much control you have over the future events of your life? It's an impossibility, isn't it? Oh, sure, we can try, but we often end up frustrated, anxious, and disappointed when things don't turn out the way we planned. As Pastor James shares today, when you can rest in the fact that God is in complete control, the burden of control is lifted. Yes, you should make plans for the future, but put them in God's hands and he'll make them prosper. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James continues his message, Heroes of the Faith. says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Well, that can apply to many people, okay? Um, that certainly applies to David. That applies to him. He overthrew kingdoms. Um, there were other kings that came after David who were good kings, and they did overthrow kingdoms, okay? So there's, this applies to many people. This could also apply to those judges in the book of Judges, and it definitely would apply to Joshua, who was used to overthrow kingdoms as well, right? So I think we get it. If you're looking for one specific individual, it's kind of a blanket statement there. They overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, um, and that certainly applies to only a handful of the kings of Israel, because there was a lot of those guys who were pretty corrupt, okay? Ruled with justice uh, and received what God had promised them. So that applies to a lot of these individuals from the Old Testament as well. And that's not even just like King David, um, because that certainly applied to him. It applied to uh, Joshua, one person that I was reminded of earlier today that it definitely applied to was Caleb. Caleb went into the promised land with Joshua. They were the two spies who were like, let's go get it. And the rest of them were cowards. And they were like, no, big giants. Well, Caleb, when he goes in as like an 80-year-old man, he's like, give me the land where the giants are because I'm going to go kill them. And that's what he did. He's an awesome, awesome guy. But he was promised that portion, a portion of that land. And he received that promise. So, and there many more, many more received promises. Uh, then a little bit more specific here. They shut the mouths of lions. Well, we're like, Daniel, yeah, we get that one, Daniel chapter six. Um, other people who shut the mouths of lions were Samson, because he killed a lion. So that technically is shutting the mouth of a lion. I know that David killed lions. Uh, Benaniah, one of David's mighty men, killed a lion, right? Um, so lots of these guys have shut the mouths of lions. But we know specifically Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. When he was thrown into there, the lion's den, and the king, was, king couldn't even sleep at night, the whole night, because he didn't want to do it, and he was tricked into doing it. 
But when he showed up, then the, the, as soon as the sun had, you know, was rising, he was right there. I'm like, Daniel, Daniel, are you okay? Daniel's like, no, don't worry about it. Because God sent an angel, and he closed the mouths of the lions. It's amazing. Cool stories. And these are just great things that God is doing. Like, God is able to do these, like, amazing, miraculous things through just people that we probably wouldn't even put on a list of, like, great examples of faith. Quench the flames of fire. That one, we're thinking Daniel, right? So then we're going to say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. And you would be right in saying that, okay? I don't know of any other stories of quenching the fire. Um, I could be wrong, but that one stands out the the most to me, the most prominent one to me. Um, Of course, again, I thought Samuel died by falling over and breaking his neck. But there you go. Like, what do I know, right? Like, what do I know? Um, You're like, there's lots of stories of people quenching fire. I don't know. Um, You can discuss that in your discussion time. (laughs) Um, It says, escaped death by the edge of the sword. That's, uh, again, applies to a lot of guys. But I think um, in my head, I always go right to David um, because he had many escapes when his life was being threatened. And whether that that was from Saul, who had lost his mind, or his own son, Absalom, who was trying to kill him as well. Um, But escaped. Other guys um, escaped, you know, at the risk of uh, being uh, killed by the sword or escaped uh, the edge of the sword. I like this little next, this next little part here. Actually, this is where I want to read from the New Living, or the ESV. It says, we're made strong out of weakness. We're made strong out of weakness concerning these individuals. Um, the New Living Translation says, uh, their weakness was turned to strength. I, I like the way that phrases that as well, but I really appreciate the ESV's phrasing of it. They were made strong out of weakness. And, and as soon as I was reading through that and studying through that, I mean, that was just like, you know, sometimes there's portions of scripture that just jump off the pages and you're just like, I can't move past this one. And that was one of the ones, I can't move past this one. And my mind kept going to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10, where Paul talks about he's had this thorn in his flesh and all this stuff, and he's prayed to God, please take this away from me, please take this away from me, please take this away from me. And he's like, no, my power is perfected in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Like, my power is perfected in your weakness, and that's what I think, I, it's always what I think about when I see this phrase. Now, I know it's talking about individuals from the Old Testament, for sure. And you think of uh, ones like Sarah, unable to have kids her whole life, whole life. 90-year-old, she gives birth to Isaac, right? She has a baby. Abraham, weakness, can't have, you know, well, he, he ended up having a baby. Well, he, was, he was okay, apparently, um, if you know that story. Uh, no problems with him. But he was 100 years old when the promise was fulfilled, 99. There, there are so many other ones that, that fit within this, this, frame, this, this framing here of like made strong out of weakness. God was able to use them regardless, regardless of their state or circumstances. And he was able to do mighty things in and through them. It's tremendous. I love that. But it always makes me think of like, 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. It's perfected in your weakness. And it's who God loves. I mean, God loves working that way. So he goes on. They became strong in battle. That can apply to a handful of these individuals, Joshua, Caleb. Uh, it, it would apply to the children of Israel in certain battles as well. Um, David as well, again. 
they became strong in battle and put, on, put whole armies to flight. You read through the Old Testament. That's the beautiful thing about reading through the Bible in a year is because you get to revisit a lot of these really cool stories um, and how God had been giving victory to his people. And oftentimes he was moving ahead of them and was, was doing things miraculously to where the people couldn't take credit at all. Like it was God who was disrupting the chariot wheels. It wasn't the people messing with them. It was God moving ahead of them. It was him sending a storm that was killing thousands of people ahead of them. That's, it's amazing how God knows how to go ahead of us. And he wants to fight the battles for us if we would just learn to sit back and trust in him and rest in him and say, you fight my battles, Lord. We just take a step back and say, this one's you, Lord. You got to take this one. And he knows how to do that. He's been doing that from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he knows how to send armies, uh, enemy armies to flight. He knows how to do that. He's amazing at that. Then the last little part here says, women receive their loved ones back again from death, right? That's cool. You got a story from uh, Elijah and Elisha, right? Concerning a widow receiving her son back, Um, I can't remember. I'm not even going to try. Um, I'm not really, I'm not really bite, batting a thousand right now on my Old Testament history. Um, I was going to think of their names. Uh, well, I know one doesn't say her name, but it says where she's from. Whatever. Um, two ladies lost their sons, and then these prophets were sent by God, and they were given their kids back to them. That's God. But what I like about this is it's not crediting the prophets. It's crediting the moms. And we'll miss that, right? We read through that and our minds immediately go towards Elijah and Elisha, like these prophets. And they, yeah, God used them to do this tremendous thing. But who is the faith ascribed to? The faith is ascribed to mom. To mom. Women received their loved ones back again from death. That's highlighting their faith in God. Two moms lost their sons and turned to the only place they knew to turn, and that was to God. And he came through for them. He used the prophet to do it, but man, it was mom's faith that brought her son back to life. It, there's, there's aspects of Hebrews chapter 11 that, again, if we just read through this or we, come, we approach these scriptures because we know Hebrews 11. We've read through these. I probably have heard teachings on Hebrews 11 and all that good stuff, but we tend to miss out on some things. Like Moses' parents, their faith to save Moses. These, these two moms, it was their faith that saved their sons. Not eternally, but physically, right? And I, I think sometimes we have to push pause on going through the scriptures and just to really apply that to our lives. Um, if you are a parent in here, then you just turn to the one, the only one who can save your kids, and that's Jesus. And that's Jesus. But man, he knows how to hear prayers and not that he doesn't know how to hear prayers or he doesn't hear prayers from dads, but there is something about a mom and her prayer for her kids. There just is. 
It, it, it's amazing. And I'm, I was reminded of that just going through Hebrews and reading, rereading through it again. Because I know in Exodus, it's Moses' mom who gets the credit for hiding Moses and seeing like, this is a beautiful baby, right? All moms should say that. However, there was something super special about this kid. It was Samson's mom who had the encounter with the angel. It was Samuel's mom who had this tremendous encounter with God where she's praying at the temple and the priest, Eli, um, says like, this lady's drunk, right? <laughs> like you can't show up to church drunk. She's like, I'm not drunk, I'm praying. I'm asking God to answer my prayer. And she came back a year later and she had a baby boy. But it's just amazing. It's amazing how, and it's not that God hears prayers from guys for sure. But man, there just seems to be something special. Something special about that. And here you go. Here's two more moms. They got their kids back. And it was their faith. They're highlighted in Hebrews chapter 11. Even if we never know their names. They're recorded here. And then it takes a weird turn. <laughs> and then right in the middle of this verse, um, you're like, awesome, victory. Oh, man, overcoming. Woo, celebration. God coming through. Just like, yes, we love this. Put my name in this portion right here. And then right in the middle of that verse, it's like, let's get dark, okay? <laughs> let's, let's be real, okay? Because, yeah, he knows how to, like, come through with spectacular miracles and victories and all that good stuff. But he also knows how to bless those who trust him when he's not answering their prayers. Oh, that's, that's, this is the part. Like, there's a good percentage of our, the church in America, they don't, want, they don't want you to read the rest of this part. Because this is where they would disqualify your faith. This is where some churches would say, well, no, this means you don't have faith. Although the author... Holy Spirit, through a human being who recorded the book of Hebrews and specifically chapter 11 in the hall of faith says, no, 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 no. If this is happening in your life, this does not mean you don't have faith. This might mean you have faith. Totally contradictory towards the name it and claim it guys. Okay? Completely contradictory. They have to have issues. I've never talked to any of them about this, but uh, this would be one thing I would, have to, I would like to ask them about. Explain me the rest of Hebrews chapter 11. Because these guys ended up in here. So let's read through this. Verse, verse 35. The women received their loved ones back again, back from the death. Yes. Woo. Yeah. But. Oh, no. <laughs> That's that thing. But. Others were tortured. Oh, I don't like that. Um, wait, hold on. Like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? Yeah, others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. That's an act of faith. That's an act of faith. Willing to be tortured than to turn your back on God. There's a story of this uh, pastor in China. He had gotten arrested. This is many, many years ago. He had gotten arrested because they kept telling him, quit preaching, quit doing church and all that good stuff. They finally arrested him and they sentenced him to life in prison, okay, for preaching the gospel, for preaching about Jesus. And all the time, I mean, they were abusing this guy and everything, and they were giving him opportunity after opportunity to, to deny Jesus, to deny Jesus. And he refused. And he, I mean, just nonstop, they're coming at him, and, and they're doing anything and everything they can to get him to turn his back on Jesus, to deny Jesus. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. To where finally, they had had enough of it. 
So what they did was they forged a document saying that he did deny Jesus so they can get him out of their prison. And he heard about that. And he fought with them because he did not want to leave that prison. Because he said, I did not deny Jesus. I did not reject Jesus. You were saying that I did that. I did not. So you know what he did? He built his house right on the outside of the prison walls. And he died there because he wanted everybody to know, I did not deny Jesus. They're telling you I did. And it would have given him his freedom. But he's like, no, I will take the suffering because I'll never turn my back on Jesus. And he built a little house right next to that prison, prison wall. And he died there. He died there. He was like, I'm not going to let you win. I will not let you win. So it reminds me of this story here. They, they, they were tortured. They refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They knew greater things were coming. Greater things are coming. Some were jeered at. It's an interesting phrase there. They're uh, jeered at. They were mocked, okay? And then they were flogged, which means that they were whipped. The New Living Translation tells us that. Um, their, their backs were cut open with whips. Even chains and imprisonments, they were locked up. This applies to a lot of, a lot of individuals, um, specifically a lot of prophets suffered persecution, okay? Uh, and oftentimes that was persecution at the hands of their, phil- their fellow Israelites, okay? Because they were saying like, this is what God's saying. And then you have a false prophet that's like, no, nah, I don't think so. God is really saying this. He likes us, he loves us, he approves of everything that we're doing, and he wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy. And the prophets are like, oh no, actually no, that's not true. He's, um, he's not happy with us um, because we have turned our backs on him and an army is coming to take us over. Destruction is on the way. And they're like, no, we don't like that message. We like the happy message. So we're gonna go with these guys and we're gonna kill you guys. That's what they would do. That happened to a lot of your prophets. And this is kind of the list that, that he goes through. You know, whether they were imprisoned, whether they were, were mocked, and that happened to a lot of them, um, thrown into dungeons, thrown into uh, pits, that was Jeremiah, thrown into that miry clay pit. Um, so much they, these guys went through. It says, some died by stoning. Is that Zechariah, I believe, died um, in between the temple uh, somewhere, uh, he was stoned to death. There was another guy that was stoned to death. Can't remember right now, but some were sawn in half, right? Or sawn asunder. Uh, and the idea is that Isaiah was the one who was sawed in half, that that's how they killed him, like that. They did not like the, that guy at all. Others were killed with the sword. Someone about wearing skins of sheep and goats, that's... Um, it's a clothing preference, okay? That's not like they had these skins sewn onto them or anything weird like that. But you think of Elijah, you know, and this, his, his garb, you know, that he chose to, chose to wear, um, identify himself as a prophet. Uh, but also a, a clothing choice, camel hair, that's not going to be the most comfortable clothing choice to walk around in. Um, but he wasn't seeking comfort. That's, that's his whole thing. Um, so they, they walked around like that, destitute and oppressed, mistreated or afflicted is what the ESV says as well. These were your prophets. These were your spokespeople 
for God, people actually hearing God and giving the nation the messages, not that they wanted to hear, but that they needed to hear. And the nation said, we don't like what you're saying. We want to hear this. And the nation turned on the prophets. It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? It's a da- it's, it can be dangerous within this, the world we live in today. Tell people what they want to hear. Then guess what happens? Lots of people show up. That's how it goes, right? I can tell you how to build a big church. I can, tell, I can write my own book. I can write my own book on how to build a big church. Chapter one, tell them what they want to hear. Tell them what they want to hear. You don't have to go too much far, far too much beyond that, but that, that would be like chapter number one. Tell them what they want to hear. Tickle their ears. Tickle their ears. Tell them how great they are. You're great people. I'm not saying you're not great people, but I will say you're sinners just like me, okay? So I think we're good with that, right? We understand that. Yeah, but that's not, that doesn't, that's not appealing to people. Being called a sinner is not appealing to people. Church-going people, I'm like, really? Interesting. Give them what they want, not what they need. The prophets showed up and they gave the people what they needed and the people killed them. (laughs) They killed them. I mean, just think about that. These amazing individuals, Jeremiah faithfully, faithfully serving God and to our knowledge, never saw one person Repent. Never. 40 years serving God faithfully, being abused, ridiculed, despised. You got this little punk named Jonah who shows up. He he doesn't even want to be used by God, right? Like, go to Nineveh, tell him that judgment's coming. He's like, I don't want to. (laughs) God, I don't want to. I'm not going to obey you. He got him there, delivered the message. Everybody repents. The whole town repents. And Jeremiah's probably like, dude, seriously? Really? 40 years I've given these people and my own people hate me. They're going to kill me. Jonah's like the celebrity in Nineveh, right? Like, and he hates those people. It's just weird how that works sometimes. But Jonah's name's not in this book, in chapter 11, by the way. We don't see anybody getting swallowed by a fish reference here, huh? But you got Jeremiah, faithful guy, says they were oppressed, they were mistreated, and I love, love, love this next part. Love it. You underline this, you circle it, you highlight this thing. New Living Translation says, concerning these individuals, they were too good for this world. Yes. ESV says, of whom the world was not worthy. Ah, that's, man, that's just like, that's vindicating, right? That's like, oh, yes. Because you look at their lives and everything that they went through and all that good stuff, and they were despised by the world. They were not even just the world, but even their own people, they were ridiculed, they were despised. And God himself says, oh, this world didn't even deserve those people. I love that. I find encouragement with that. Because you might read through this list and be like, man, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd fallen in this chapter at all anywhere. But here's what... The Lord looking at you as a son or a daughter, he's like, the world doesn't even deserve you. The world doesn't even, the world's not even worthy of you. You're like, me? He's like, yeah, you, why? I don't have anything great to offer. He's like, I know, I know, but you're my kid and this world does not deserve you. 
This world isn't worthy of you. By the way, family, this world is not your home. This world's not your home. Who is your hero of the faith? For me, it changes by the day and circumstances. Most of the time, I look at Joseph. He's a dreamer just like me, and he faced extraordinary hardship along the path that God laid out for his life. And then sometimes I look at Paul, who willingly suffered and gave up his freedom and his life for the sake of the gospel. I want to be like Paul, single-minded and devoted to the cause of Christ, no matter what the world throws my way. And other times I look at Abraham, who received a promise and then waited years to watch God make it happen. Whatever circumstances I find myself in, I can turn to Scripture and know that I'm not alone. Looking at the heroes of faith gives me the courage to persevere in my own race. And that's why Pastor James Grizzle is bringing us the stories of these heroes in this series on Bread for the Broken. As he shares story after story, listen to the story that God is telling you. You can hold on to those stories and keep them for the day that you're going to need that encouragement and strength. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Are you in the area? We'd love to have you come see us. We're here on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. For more information and directions, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that website is breadforthebroken.com. And for those of you that can't make it in person, we live stream on Facebook. Well, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.